This is the 12 Songs of Christmas. Today, with Anna Christina Cash. I'm Alex Rawls, and this is my podcast about Christmas music. Today's episode is one of the reasons I really like doing this podcast. Cash is the daughter of immigrants who moved from Cuba to Miami, and she married John Carter Cash, the son of Johnny Cash and June Carter. She and her husband now run and take care of the Cash Cabin Studio, the studio Cash built late in his career as a place where he could get alone with his musical thoughts. I wasn't sure what I would get from the interview, but it turned out to be a window into her life in music, as a mother, and as a child of immigrants. I took the interview because Cash recorded a version of Malakaliki Maka that came out last Friday. The song isn't a true Hawaiian Christmas song, but it's close enough. Writer Robert Alex Anderson lived in Hawaii, so his references to Hawaii were real. Malakaliki Maka is exotic but not phony, and it's fun without being juvenile. Cash goes with the song's flow, but doesn't sweeten it any more than necessary, despite being recorded for her daughter, as she'll explain. Anyway, we talk about the song, the Christmas song she recorded on 2018's My Christmas Collection, and more. So let's get to it. This is Anna Christina Cash on the 12 Songs of Christmas. So you recently released uh, your version of Malakaliki Maka. Uh, why choose that song? Yeah, so Malakaliki Maka has a really cool Hawaiian vibe. It's a classic. I have a three-year-old daughter. Her name is Grace June. And she has this fixation with luau's. And we took her to Hawaii. Uh, my husband and I did about a year ago. This was last August, you know, pre-coronavirus, all this insanity. <laughs> and we took her to a luau and it left a lasting impression. We didn't think she'd remember something like that. But when she came home, she kept asking to see the luau videos over and over again. So I'd play her the Malakaliki Maka song and she's like, I want you to sing this. Like literally just her little two-year-old two way. Now she's three. But um, so I really did it as a gift for her. And then, you know, when coronavirus happened, I saw a different side to that. I wanted to do something that was tropical and fun and colorful. And I miss the spirit of the holidays. And I think it's really, you know, a lot of us can't really leave. We can't travel anymore. So <laughs> I, a lot of the visuals online, if you check out my Instagram, I have, you know, I'm, I'm posting things with um, a tropical dress when I'm promoting the song with like a little drink in my hand. And um, I had this wonderful graphic artist, Delaney Royer, also just superimpose a Hawaiian background, some with neon colors. And it's something just for me that's fun. And um, a lot of people have been responding to it, that it makes them happy, the colors. So I think that's, you know, as an artist, we kind of need, uh, we put out what we need ourselves. And right now I, I was just in the mood for color and for tropical things and fun. So. Oh, that's great. You know, earlier this year, that at one point during Corona shutdown, that there's a point where a number of radio stations started playing either a, a, an evening or a, a period of time of all Christmas. And yeah. with the idea that somehow it would get us more in the mood. And, and there is actually one radio station has already gone 
all Christmas for the year. Station. All Christmas, yeah. Yep. Can you listen to Christmas out of season? I think I could. I mean, there have been times where, um, you know, if I'm doing a really tedious task and, you know, I've kind of exhausted a lot of my favorite music that I'll just, you know, to stay awake, I'll listen to Christmas. Like when I'm organizing my closet, I've, I've been weird. And I've nothing so, you know, the, you know how we get with our own stuff. We don't want to face our own stuff sometimes and that we need to throw things out. So like I've listened to Christmas music when I've cleaned out my closet. Oh, that's <laughs> so, great. Ha, ha, yeah. ha. I have to, is Malakaliki Maka fun to sing? It is really fun, particularly because of the, you know, the three or four part harmony that's in the choruses. I listened a lot to the Bing Crosby Andrew Sisters version for my inspiration. I kind of made it my own, but I, I did not want to lose that um, four piece harmony. But instead of there being several girls, it's I'm literally all the girls. <laughs> so I, I did, I did every single harmony and you know, I kind of just did it. I find harmonies just in my head, but I did listen to that version as kind of like a general case study on what to do. So that really helped me figure out those harmonies and everything. I, I you know, as a singer, not only am I an artist and a songwriter, but, you know, my husband, and I operate the cash cabin studio here in Hendersonville, Tennessee. So I do a lot of background work for other singers. Like you'll find a lot of my background vocals, just me as a background BGV vocalist on just like all sorts of records here. So something you were doing in the last few months? Yes. So um, I really recorded about two or three months ago and just leading up to it, I've done like little performance videos of it that I'm going to release soon when we get closer to the holidays. But the actual, um, the pre-order was October the 9th and the song is actually going to be released on October the 23rd on all digital platforms. We don't have physical product for it yet, but I think everyone's just consuming everything digitally right now and streaming regardless, you know, for one single. So, um, it's really fun. I'm, I had this vision of being on a giant flamingo. I don't know if you've seen the cover of this. So I just, I I put, um, these, all these floats and I had rainbow floats and flamingo floats, but, but that was ultimately the one I want to be on this like huge flamingo float. And of course I had Delaney superimpose the, the background that was there for that. So that was fun. Was it helpful to have a project like this to work on? during uh during the shutdown it has been nice aside from this i'm working on a six song ep as well and i released my album shine in april right when coronavirus hit and you know it was entered for several first round grammy noms so well you know we we don't know what's going to happen but that was cool too so just you know just perpetuating the buzz of the last album working on an ep working on the christmas stuff has kept me busy definitely i have to imagine that putting an album out and then having, you know, you likely had a year of promotion lined up a year of touring and different 
things to do that you were all planning on that were all tied to shine. Yes, they were. And, <laughs> so, how did so, you deal with that? I, I, I've talked to some New Orleans musicians. I'm, I'm based in New Orleans, and I've talked to a few oh, New Orleans cool. musicians who, who found themselves in that in that situation. And I'm, I'm wondering how you dealt with that. Well, it's it was a difficult situation, I have to admit, because I had several shows lined up that I was really looking forward to. I was I was going to play the Opry on April the 25th, and they've kind of changed their programming, and um, I haven't been able to be booked back yet on the Opry, so that was a, a big loss for me um, for this album. Um, you know, I I really have been more tech focused, like a lot of Facebook Live shows i do full concerts on facebook live or instagram live and that was cool because it was an intimate thing like you could see people writing the comments and everything and it was it was really fun but i do miss the live energy of being in a live performance venue i do so now you were raised in in uh, miami to parents who immigrated from cuba tell me about your christmases growing up yeah so um i grew up in a really tropical environment i grew up in south florida so we you know, literally I grew up with coconuts in my backyard. Like my mom still, like the house I grew up in, they have little papaya plants and guava plants and a lot of citrus, like lime. And and in the old house we used to live in, we had oranges. So essentially we'd either get like a, a flocked fake Christmas tree, like with the white stuff on it, gotcha. or just, or we'd go to the, the little Christmas tree tent and we'd pick out a tree, we'd get the real one. And then, um, you know, lately they've gotten older, so they get lazy and then they just, <laughs> they just get the one from the garage. They put it up. Right. Um, but essentially I grew up spending a lot of my Christmases, not necessarily near the ocean. I lived in a suburban community that was not close to the ocean, but, um, Key Biscayne was nearby. Miami beach was nearby. So, um, we do Christmas shopping around there and that was close to the beach and the salty air and everything. So Christmas is really, where your heart is. And I remember the first time I saw snow, I was visiting cousins from Michigan. Cause even though my, my parents have the Cuban background there, um, one of my dad's cousins emigrated from Cuba directly to Michigan via this program, same program that my dad got here with called the Peter Pan flights, uh, Pedro Pan foundation. So he married a woman from Michigan and he raised his kids there. And I remember being six or seven years old and and visiting and and it was Christmas time and they played Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. I love your cat, by the way. <laughs> That's a whole nother conversation. Yes. Um, but anyway, I, I just remember it was cold outside. It was my first white Christmas. They took me skiing for the first time and I felt so cozy and they 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 built a fire for me. Like, you know, my, my parents do have a fireplace in Florida, but they never lit it. They're actually afraid of fire. So that ah, that gives you ah, and my husband laughed so much. He's like, you grew up with the Miami Cubans who don't know how to, how to make a fire, you know? And like here we make fires all the time in Tennessee. But I remember the first time my cousins in Michigan actually did that whole setup for me where it felt like a real Christmas. And, um, I remember watching home alone, <laughs> it was a very big Christmas movie on their TV. So I've, I've experienced Christmas in different ways. Sure. So. Were there any, uh, traditions from uh, Cuba that your parents brought and that made where it became a part of your Christmas traditions growing up? Sure. Um, one that actually originates from Spain because most, most people from Cuba are Spanish immigrants or originally. And actually my, my grandmother's parents were from Spain, the North of Spain, Asturias, um, is this little, ca- this little nougat candy called turron. You can order it on Amazon. It's, it's literally turron. They have like peanut butter flavor, just nougat with, so it's like caramelized nuts, like with nougat. And it's a very Spanish thing. 
apparently just a habit. And my, my sister Eileen's favorite is the peanut butter one. Um, I like all of them, you know, some of them have chocolate, some have peanut butter, but it's T U R R O N. So Christmas Eve, we always have some Turon around, which I think is pretty cool. Um, you know, just, just then I'd say the 24th, a lot of the pork and rice and beans and rice and black beans. That's very traditional. And a tradition that I started myself that has nothing to do with Cuba or anyone was, um, the started when I was a little girl and I still, I still do it now. I'm a grown woman. Um, if I have a real tree in my home, I will save the branch from each year in a drawer. So if I'm missing Christmas, I'm missing that spirit. I will get it and smell it. And I, I switch out the branch every year. Oh, that's great. What a great idea. I've we may have to we may have to adapt that for my daughter. So Yeah. <laughs> I, I started that as a child and you know, I, I kind of never told anyone. I just it's just something I do on my own. And you know, it's kind of fun because you know, you're you're feeling sad, you're you're feeling like you're missing family or Christmas. You just you just pull the branch out, smell the pine. It's That's nice. excellent. daughter is three she's three she's yes three. great so she's getting right into sort of prime christmas time she is now she's actually getting into prime halloween time like last yeah. year we were on a plane for for halloween so she didn't really get to experience that much of course i've always dressed her up since she was born that's like the first thing i couldn't wait to do for she was a dragon and then last year i think she was strawberry shortcake on the plane like we couldn't uh, do anything uh, so this uh, is a first year we're going to be very cautious with coronavirus, of course. So we're going to have the mask, but um, two or three people we know around our neighborhood, we're just going to go to their houses to collect the candy, just so she has the experience. Right. We're not going to go on this crazy tangent of visiting houses amid coronavirus either, you know, but she, she's aware of what trick-or-treating is. We took her to the pumpkin patch yesterday um, with, you know, um, her older siblings, because my husband has older children. And they had such a blast with the pumpkin patch. I made the pumpkin seeds, but talking about Christmas, because I know it's not a Halloween song I'm talking about. Um, she is very aware. She's been aware for a while of what Christmas is because she loves the gifts. Of course, the kids love the gifts. And we do the elf on the shelf tradition all the time. She's like, where to go? And of course, you know, sometimes I forget about the elf. No. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> But, um, but yeah, she, you know, she's really something it's nice to see the wonderment and that, that sense of wonder in the eyes of children. I, I always, I have this special little plate where I leave the Santa's cookies and a little milk jug and everything and, I, and the carrots for the reindeer. And I think it's just fun to, to create something magical for children. Sure. In, in uh, on my Christmas collection, you wrote, uh, Santa is real. Santa Claus is real. I wrote that with my husband, John Carter Cash. And 
the whole concept of that, I was just like playing the chords on the guitar. I really want to write an original Christmas song was like, what if, you know, I was inspired by the, the poem, the night before Christmas, twas, twas the night before Christmas and, and all of that. And how it details Santa coming to bring the gifts at night and everything while everyone's asleep. So I wanted to create something like that and sort of what would happen if there was an encounter, like a real encounter with Santa Claus and what he would be like. So that's what that's about. I'd imagine your daughter's also get moving into prime time for prime Santa age too. She, she really is. Um, she, you know, since she, since she was born, we'd been taking her to go see Santa at the malls and, just different places where Santa set up. And, um, you know, I just, I like to collect those photographs for her. I'm hoping that she'll look back one day and be like, my mom really cared. My dad really cared that, you know, they wanted me to have this memory very early on. So I, I continue to do that as much as I can. Uh, last year I performed at the Nashville Christmas parade, which is, which is kind of fun. It was crazy. I was, I was alone on a float. Um, singing my Santa Claus, this real song, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> uh, with, uh, bunches of bunches of people and to think that this year it's you know an experience that I can't have but I mean those that, that was something that was a Christmas experience unlike anything I'd ever experienced I've seen it for myself you'll see Santa's just as real as you and me He has a great big belly and shiny cherry cheeks. His bag is full of presents just for you and me. I left him milk and cookies and he didn't leave a single crumb for me He jumped right down the chimney Yes, he came tumbling down He crept into My daughter is seven and she still is like, you know, great on Christmas, great on Santa, but we are warming up because I've now heard once or twice having that her friends have told her Santa's not real. Fortunately, we have an answer. We have an answer as we believe. And uh, so we can keep this, you know, and I think she understands the family enough to know we're all playing a game together here, but it is... You know, it, but it was so sad. Like, oh man, kids are already yeah. killing this for her. It's like, so. I do have an opinion about that. Actually, if this if this helps at oh, all, um, absolutely. When I was five years old, it's the story. My my grandfather, bless his soul, he he's in heaven now. But he um, dressed up as Santa Claus for me when I was five. Oh, great. And I was just a very precocious kid, and I this kind of broke his heart. What I said, so. Oh, if you're Santa Claus, why are you wearing Abuelo's shoes? Why are you wearing grandpa's shoes? <laughs> and and you should see the look on that man's face and he was so just deflated. And then and then later my mom explained to me and she kept on, I kept believing in Santa and I kept telling them I believed in Santa. But from then on, she knew that I was I caught on and everything. And she um she always told me that the spirit of Saint Nicholas is real and that Santa Claus is real. 
you just, she always told me the spirit of St. Nicholas is real. Yep. Yep. That's where we are too. Our, our theory is we're going to keep saying we believe because it's far more fun. It's part of the game is to say, yeah. is to play along. I mean, there's so much of, the, of Christmas is a game and it's part of what, part of why I've always liked it. And part of why I always thought it made sense in new Orleans is that <sighs> I've always thought new Orleans, part of what is essential, essential about the city is that, you know, during Mardi Gras, we all play along with the idea that beads are worth something and that the, that the floats are beautiful. Right. And, uh, and it's like, this is a part of the, a part of the game. And the same way during Christmas time, we all play along with the idea and it's, you know, you can blow the whistle on Santa if you want, but what was gained? So. Yeah, definitely. So I know you recorded a Spanish language version of Ave Maria and on my Christmas, uh, my Christmas collection, you do sing uh, Silent Night in English and Spanish. And I was wondering why you don't do more in Spanish. Yeah, that's, that's a, an excellent question. I, I do plan on doing more in Spanish. That's how I started my career. Just growing up in South Florida, all the record labels, um, mostly that operated there and where I received my first opportunity was in Spanish. I started performing on the Univision Network on the show called Sabo Gigante from the age of six to 13 years old. So that's where I received most of my chances and my shot. Um, you know, it, it's definitely something that I'm talking about. I'm wanting to put out this EP in English first because I feel like there's good traction here in Nashville with that. Um, but I receive messages weekly. I can't even tell you how many people send me messages wishing that I would record more in Spanish. So it's, it's something that's definitely in my heart um, I think it's just about writing the songs. I feel very, I feel very um, close to my songs. I feel like it's very important to have an inspiration. I would love to do something to dedicate to my grandmother that passed away um, when my daughter was born. She she died a week after Grace was born, wow. um, a few a few years ago actually. And she her she's Spanish blood. So even though she migrated to Cuba. Her um, her parents were were born in Spain, so I want to do something with some some sort of influence or dedication to that, whether it be an album title or a song. I wanted to have something to do with my grandmother, so I've already been playing around with the idea in my head. In that version of Silent Night, where you switch you switch verses and switch languages, is that hard to do? For me, it, it isn't because of the way that I grew up. So I grew up in a bilingual household. I grew up speaking Spanish with my grandmothers and then just English in school and with my parents who spoke just both all the time. And my sister spoke English. So to me, switching from um, back and forth is very normal to me. Sleep in heavenly
I've had this niche thing in my career as, as a studio performer where I've been hired to do translations for other artists, um, whether they're Spanish to English or English to Spanish. So I've been able to make a lot of my bread and butter that way, even when I was just completely independently living on my own in Los Angeles and Miami and the whole deal. And I still um, have a lot of opportunities like that. Like we're just up for two um, second round Grammy, Latin Grammy nominations for Los Tigres and Norte from a translation I did of Folsom Prison Blues in Spanish. Oh, cool. So I use, I use a lot of my, my Spanish language abilities for that, for that purpose as well. So um, it's something when doing a translation, I do have to say is it is very difficult because you want to keep the integrity alive of the original song, no matter what language it's in. And not everything translates the same. And sometimes it can be cornball or like really cheesy. So I tell people it's often a lot more difficult than writing a song from scratch. Yeah, I would imagine. Trying to get, yeah. the, get the rhymes back where the rhymes go, but still it being is. able to maintain the, uh, the integrity of the song. Yes, and if 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 it's for an artist that's that's alive, you know, you want you want it to seek their approval. If it's for a heritage artist that has passed on, like Johnny Cash, you want to preserve that legacy, you know. So that's so that's very important too when doing that kind of work. Do the languages sing differently? Do you have to breathe differently, or do, do are there differences in the languages just in how they come out when you're singing them? Most certainly, a lot of people have told me, and I've noticed this just as a person that's very connected with audio, um, that my voice sounds a little darker, like it's gone down a few notches, like in tone. Um, some people like it more, they say, in Spanish. And <laughs> a lot of a lot of rolling of the R's, you know, it's, it's one of the most difficult things for non-Spanish speakers to do is to do that, like roll your R's and everything. So a lot of that. Um, I think it's you know, it reminds me of my childhood. I love it personally, um, but I also love English, you know, and I've, and I sometimes play around like, do I want to learn a third language someday when I have the time? Cause now I don't have the time. And I'm stuck between, do I want to um, learn a romance language like French that has ties with Spanish or do I want to learn German that has more ties with English that might be phonetically easier? I don't know what's easier. So I, I feel like it's yeah. like, <laughs> I have no idea, yeah. but but yeah, I feel very fortunate that I have the ability to kind of move in both worlds and connect with more people that way. I really can't stay. Baby, it's cold outside. You drop so in. Very nice. I'll hold your hands just like My us. mother will start to worry. Beautiful. What's the hurry? My father will be pacing the floor. Just listen to the fireplace so roll. really I better scurry. Beautiful, please don't hurry. But maybe just a soda pop I'll more. put some records on while I I have to ask, you recorded uh, Baby It's Cold Outside as a duet with your husband. I did, yes. Where do you, how do you make, or did you have to make any sort of mental sort of accommodations with the way that kind of time has caught up with that song? So I have a, a really, oh, as, as far as the, the content of the lyrical sure, content? Sure, yes, yes. I had to modify our version because I, 
you know, I knew that I was going to have a little girl. I was going to have children someday. So I, I personally felt that the original was a little bit like rapey. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, you know, sure. <laughs> it's a little rapey. You know what I mean? I'm like, do I want? So I I modeled it after the the lyrics um, that I think of the, the Dina Menzel version. I I don't know if she did it with Michael Bublé. So I modeled it after the PG lyrics, just you know, soda pop instead of drink and things like that. Um, and not that the original version is is bad, but I I asked myself, you know, just I was about to have a daughter and everything. What what do I want to communicate to her? So I I chose the safe route, really. Yeah. It is what it is. And again, yeah. I don't want to take away from the integrity of what that was supposed to be because that is art as well. So I'm not condoning that or saying, yeah, that's wrong per se. But at the same time, I just, for my own purpose, I, I chose to create a PG version. Sure. So. Yep. <laughs> yep. No, I hear yeah. you. Um, is there a song that is that's your favorite on uh, my Christmas collection? On my Christmas collection? I do have to say, I always have felt close to breath of heaven, which is the story of Mary. Um, it's, it's one of the songs that take on a more religious undertone and, and it's not as, um, not just like the, the layman's Christmas album, like, you know, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer or, or anything like that. So it's, it's more religious. I'd say it's because I had a close relationship with that song in church. Like when Amy Grant released that song, that was a big deal in my church. I grew up Catholic. And I remember singing that solo when I was a little girl and just, I feel like the chords um, are very mysterious. And also, Oh Holy Night was also um, something I always wanted to do as a vocalist. It's a very powerful song vocally. And it's it's something that I also sang in church, something that was always a very big part of my life as well. So I think those two songs really showcase the voice nicely, but they also have just kind of like a mystery to them with the chord structure and just you know, as a vocalist, it's, they're really fun to sing. Actually, Carol of the Bells, I'm sorry, ah, Carol ah, of the Bells, <laughs> because uh, once again, I was all of my own background girls for every part. So I decided to become like this 200 piece chorus for that song. So I, I went nuts and my husband, they're like, they had, they had to pull me out of the studio, the engineer and ah, John ah, who produced it. They're like, you cannot add more parts. I'm like, I hear more parts. I hear more parts. I need to add more parts. You're done. You're done. Like, we're not going to mix this behemoth you've created. You created a monster. So <laughs> I just wouldn't stop. Literally, they had to pull me out. And I still hear more parts for that. Thanks to Anna Christina Cash for the time and the talk. You can find her on Facebook, and you can let me know what you thought about this episode at 12 Songs of Christmas, also on Facebook. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. That helps others find out about 12 Songs and make sure you don't miss any of the cool interviews we have coming up later this season. And we do have a few that I'm really looking forward to. Thanks to AF The Naysayer for our theme music. And thanks to you for listening. We'll finish with one more. 
from my Christmas collection. This is Anna Christina Cash's version of the Christmas song. Talk to you next week. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire Jack Frost nipping at your nose Yuletide carols being sung By a choir and folks Dressed up like Eskimos